up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Tuesday, August 23rd, and we are coming down to home stretch here on these previews. Jets, who actually played a preseason game last night, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we will get to that shortly, but just a reminder, FTNFantasy.com. That's where you get all the goods. Award-winning rankings, projections, the two-draft guide, magazines, PDFs, whatever you want to call them. I uh, just updated the game plan yesterday. 4.0 is out. All the cheat sheets. You want top 300 overall? We got you. You want by position for your half-point PPR? Gotcha. You want my draft board? Gotcha. Got that all plus more. I recommend the Platinum subscription so that way you get access to the Discord where you can talk directly to me and the other staffers. You get access to League Sync, the premium tools, stats, all that. So much more. Promo code RATPACK, R-A-T-P-A-C-K, for 20% off. That is a great way to support this podcast. Go get a subscription. Also, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Hook it up. You like the podcast? Yeah, it takes you five seconds, 15 seconds. I don't know. 10 seconds? <laughs> it's not long uh, to review it. All right, let's, speaking of review, let's review the New York Jets. And, well, there's a lot of different directions we can go in here. Let's start with the quarterback spot, though, because Zach Wilson, he, uh, well, has the knee injury, had surgery. It was called a meniscus trim, though, and apparently that's only uh, a two- to four-week. Um, apparently, Zach Wilson is good at getting trim. Um, so, anyway, he's got a two- to four-week absence here, should be back by the start of the season. If he's not back in week one, I'm okay with it. And you know why? Because I'm a sucker for a good revenge game, and, of course, that game will be against the Ravens, and we could see Joe Flacco starting. Giddy up. Um, Joe Flacco did not play in the second preseason game here this past Monday night. Uh, so they may be gearing up for that, and that's fine. Ultimately, though, here's what we know about Wilson. He does have a high ceiling. Here's what else we know about Wilson. He is still he still has a long way to go. Now, I will say, when he came back from injury last year, he did look better than in the beginning of the season. So he does have that to his credit, and I think that's quite important. That does not mean that he has completely turned a corner or anything like that, though. So we do need to see that out of him, and it really is going to have a ripple effect. Not only is it uh, he could be fantasy relevant, which, you know, all right, Zach Wilson at this point, the only place where we're considering him is as our third quarterback in a two-quarterback super flex league, and I don't mind him there. He just tends to go a tick earlier than I look at the position, but his play is going to impact the pass catchers, and it's going to impact the run game as well because if they can't move the offense, they can't sustain drives, they're not going to get enough opportunities to run the darn football. So a lot of it is there, and I hey, I want to believe in these players. I'm not a hater. I don't drink that hater aid. I want to believe in these players, but I got to see it before I believe it. We haven't seen it yet with Zach Wilson, so this year is going to be a very pivotal year in his career. Of course, he is loaded with weapons loaded they have a really solid wide receiver group of course headlined by Elijah Moore they also went out they drafted Garrett Wilson they have Corey Davis their number four receiver is Braxton Perios and then even Jeff Smith is their number five that's not bad 
It's not bad at all. Now, obviously, guys like you know Smith and Barrios aren't fantasy relevant, and really Corey Davis isn't either. It all comes down to the two young kids, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Let's start with Moore, who came in with some fanfare as a day two selection, early day two selection. They pair up the quarterback with the wideout. In, a, in some ways, similar to how Cincinnati did it with Joe Burrow and T. Higgins in that draft class. And Moore showed flashes last year. He certainly did. Now, of course, a lot of it is going to depend on Zach Wilson, but Moore is certainly the preferred of these options. I think he's a very interesting third wide out, wide receiver three range guy with, with a nice high ceiling. And I have no problem targeting him in that range because when I'm drafting a, a guy in that range, so when I say wide receiver three, I mean from rankings 25 back to 36. Guys in that range, a lot of times are in that range, not because that's where I think they're going to finish. It's because their range of outcomes is pretty wide. Like he could be, it wouldn't be shocking if he was a top 15 guy. He could also finish as wide receiver 50. You know, you're taking that range on board. That's why you're not drafting them as top 20 guys, right? You're that's baked into their price. So he's preferred, but Garrett Wilson is interesting. Now he did play, despite the, the fact that they rested a bunch of their starters, he did play in the preseason game. Uh, he had three catches, nothing long, nothing special, but I mean, glimpses of what he's capable of doing already. Very athletic. Uh, these some of these Ohio State kids now coming in, and they are just darn good route runners. You know, we know with Alave, who I talked about on the podcast yesterday. Same thing with with Wilson. Honestly, the athletic profile it, it, it gives him a slightly higher long term ceiling than than Alave, but maybe a slightly lower floor to start out. But still, a lot of appeal with this kid. But but like everybody, his value is closely tied to what Zach Wilson does this year. The team also did bring in some tight ends. So CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. This one is tricky. I mean, T Conklin is getting the he's getting the buzz as the better of the two in terms of uh, you know, he's he's likely to see more targets. I think this could be a weekly thing. And I don't even think Conklin is a three for thirty-two guy. Like I I, I think that if he leads this group in targets. He's going to have like 45 catches. And then Uzama is going to have like 38. And neither one of them are going to be relevant. So this is going to be the classic situation. Like week four, Tyler Conklin has three catches for 32 yards and two touchdowns. And everybody's going to be like, pick up Tyler Conklin. And then the next week he has one catch for 12 yards, right? This happens Every friggin' year in fantasy football, we have this collective amnesia every year. But just be aware, like if he does surface, it's highly unlikely that's going to be sustainable. The targets are going to go to Moore, to Garrett Wilson, to Corey Davis, even to Braxton Berrios, and then to the backfield, much more so than they're going to the tight ends in this offense. But they did bring in weapons, and that'll help out Wilson, Zach Wilson, that is. All right, so speaking of the backfield, let's get over to these guys. Brees Hall was the first running back drafted in this past April's draft. Of course, that's frustrating if you had Michael Carter in dynasty leagues and you thought you might have had a three down back there. Carter is a tick undersized, and he really he wasn't a three down back at the college level, right? It was him and Javante Williams, and Javante Williams was more the early down guy. So they had a plan in place. They get Brees, who 
I do think is a three down back. I mean, he showed that profile at the college level. He gives me like he gives me like faster Le'Veon Bell vibes when you watch him at the college level. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to be a faster Le'Veon Bell at the pro level, but that's sort of what I saw in him. He's got that sort of element to his game. Can catch the ball to the backfield. Definitely can run between the tackles. But man, is he, he's fast though for his size. But. He did play in this preseason game when Michael Carter didn't. I don't know if that's necessarily a knock on Brees Hall or if it's just they wanted more reps. I don't know. I'm treating everything like I'm going to react to everything. I'm not going to overreact. So I'm not going to freak out that he played in the game, but I'm also not going to ignore it as well. So Brees Hall right now for me, he's been floating in that like RB17, RB18, RB19 range. I'll tell you, that's dead zone back. And I, outside of best ball, have not gotten any shares of him. I got plenty of shares of him best ball because I was drafting before the NFL draft. So I'm okay there, but I don't see much appeal of running backs in that range. And he's going in that range, unfortunately. He also has a bit of a cap because they're going to use Michael Carter. In fact, I do think they use Michael Carter plenty in the passing game. And that has led to a situation where if Carter sticks around on the board long enough, he becomes a value. Like, if you are somebody like me who will draft a running back early or none at all early, and then you want to get these guys who have the potential to deliver a return on investment in the middle and late rounds, Carter is definitely part of that group. Now, do I think he's a rock-solid RB2 week one? No, of course I don't, or else I'd be ranking him there. But he is either a Brees Hall injury away from a bigger role, or he could be a reasonably high volume passing down back that I'll take my chances in that range of drafts. All right, let's go over to the Philadelphia Eagles. And well, a lot of different ways we could go here, but let's start with the big move. And it it corresponded to the draft. It just wasn't a draft pick. Although basically, I guess it was. The Eagles moved uh, one of their first round picks uh, to get A.J. Brown, Uh, Of course, they got A.J. Brown, and then they gave him the long-term contract that Tennessee just didn't seem willing to give him. And honestly, I respect the move from Howie Roseman, who has been criticized recently for his inability to identify top and wide receiver talents. Uh, I I guess I should do it. If you're an Eagles fan, here you go. The Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson to draft Jalen Rager. There you go. You had a bona fide superstar fall into your lap and you passed on him. By the way, that was who, like, everybody, including yours, truly had mocked to them. It's like, wow, Justin Jefferson's going to be here. This is a no-brainer. Nope. (laughs) The no-brainer was picking, apparently, and he picked Jalen Rager. But regardless, we're not going to go all sports talk radio on you here. They identified a weakness, and honestly, it was a smart move. You have A.J. Brown in there who does have a connection with Jalen Hurts off the field. Now they have seemingly a connection on the field. You have a young wide receiver who is now heading into his fourth year of his professional career. If everything works out right, you get this dude for at least another half decade, at least. And he's a big dude who has a feel for the end zone. And furthermore, it allows you to not have to rely on Devontae Smith as your number one where, you know, at the pro level, I think Devontae Smith is better suited to being a number two. And being a number two isn't a bad thing. You can be a complimentary number two and still be quite productive in the NFL. So it allows you to do that. 
You have a couple other role players, including Rager, if he, if he does stick around, or Quez Watkins. But really, it's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I know it's a run-heavy team. I know Jalen Hurts only threw 16 touchdowns last year. But you know what? I still very much like A.J. Brown. They're going to force-feed the ball to him. And I very much like him as a top-10 option. And I have no problem, by the way, with Devontae Smith as a back-end wide receiver three. Like I said, in that range, I want higher ceiling guys because their range of outcomes short may be wide, but I want to go after the high end of that range. So A.J. Brown, top 10 guy, Devontae Smith, top 36 guy. Now, of course, they also have Dallas Goddard in the mix, who initially maybe was a tick higher on before Brown was in the mix because that does suck some of the, you know, that red zone those red zone looks away from Goddard. But Goddard is still one of the eight tight ends who I'm willing to draft with confidence. After you get outside of that, I'm willing to draft some guys, but I am not confident about them. So Goddard is there. I don't mind him at all. In If if I miss on you know the wheelhouse guys, if I miss on Dalton Schultz or TJ Hawkinson and Goddard's there and it's the eighth round, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Even if it's like the late seventh round, I'm fine with that. Take him. Wipe my hands clean of it because dude is a monster and he is a complete mismatch on the field. He's so difficult to cover. So I don't mind it. It's just the the volume is capped a little bit. He's like a three for 32 plus guy right now with the projected volume as opposed for the uh, the elusive four for 44 type of guy who I'm often looking at. All right. So Jalen Hurts will be throwing these guys the ball. Jalen Hurts has a massive floor. That's right. I say a massive floor. This is a guy who can run for 700 plus rushing yards, maybe even more than that because he did it last year. This is a guy who is a goal line back, basically, once you get down there. I, I mean, could he score eight, nine, 10 touchdowns again? This is like a Josh Allen type profile in the red zone for Jalen Hurts, and he's more mobile than Josh Allen. He just can't throw like Josh Allen. <laughs> That's the problem. But. If you have a floor like that, think about it like this. All right, so if you are if you rush for 700 yards in the NFL as a quarterback, right, 700 yards over the course of 17 games, you're averaging uh, 41, a little more than 41 rushing yards a game. That's four fantasy points, right? That is the same amount of fantasy points as if you threw a passing touchdown. So you're adding that extra passing touchdowns worth of points with that average alone that's your floor then add in the rushing touchdowns then add in a likely increase now I don't think he's going to be a 4,500 yard passing yard guy but I, I think 35 36 that's better than last year add that increase in and then instead of 16 passing touchdowns no not 35 but what about like 22 if he does that Jalen Hurts is a top six guy like this is giving me Lamar 2019 type vibes except well you know, Jalen Hurts already kind of he, – he already kind of did it once, uh, but that's the type of profile that we're looking at. Massive floor and then add to the ceiling with his arm. All right, as far as the, back, as the backfield is concerned, Miles Sanders didn't really have the most productive year from a touchdown standpoint last year, but he was very efficient. It was actually one of his better years from an efficiency standpoint. If he goes in the middle rounds, I have no issue with it, and he should be good to go for week one. If you're going to cuff him – well, don't bother cuffing a guy you're drafting in the sixth or seventh round. So I, I will say that. But the cuff isn't Kenneth Gainwell. It's actually Boston Scott. We know that because in the preseason game, Sanders sat out and Boston Scott played in his role. Kenny Gainwell's role did not change. Having said that, 
Kenny Gainwell will have a big role in the passing game, kind of like Naeem Hines in Indianapolis, with one notable exception. This flew under the radar last year, but the Eagles used Kenny Gainwell as a goal line back for a good chunk of the season. Not Miles Sanders. So it puts a little cap on Miles Sanders, gives you a little extra meat on the bone there for Kenny Gainwell, but he's more of a, a late-round guy if you're going to take a flyer on Gainwell. So there you go. Eagles, Jets in the hopper. Next up, the Steelers and the 49ers. Uh, then, you know, just three more episodes to go of the team preview. So we'll be done by the end of the week here. Remember, FTNFantasy.com. Use that promo code RATPACK, R-A-T-P-A-C-K. Review the podcast on Apple. Hook it up, bro. Hook it up. And, of course, follow along with me on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe. And when you use that hashtag Ratpack, I know you're a listener of this here podcast. All right, I will catch you tomorrow for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.